Welcome to the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, where it is never too early for fantasy football. My name is Jeff. And I'm Alex. Hey, Alex. How's it going today? It's going well. We get to talk about football. We get to talk about breaking down week four matchups. We want to highlight certain players that went off. We want to highlight injuries that happened, uh, any potential changing of the guard. We will cover all of that on a matchup by matchup breakdown but jeff why don't you tell us where the folks can find us yeah as always to our listeners thank you for downloading listening liking and subscribing to our podcast videos please subscribe to us on the socials we are on spotify youtube facebook instagram tiktok x and threads with the handle at n2e fantasy and let's get it kicked off alex what's our first matchup first matchup was the thursday night matchup between the lions and the packers it was at Lambeau Field, and the Lions came in and uh, played very well. They stomped all over their division rival. So I want to talk about this matchup, but I want Jeff, you're a Jordan Love fan. Why don't you tell us about Jordan Love's performance in this matchup? So I think Jordan Love had a down and up performance in this one. And I say it that way because he started the first half down. He actually, They dug a hole. They couldn't dry, They couldn't move the football. And then all of a sudden they made some good halftime adjustments and they actually came roaring back before the Lions and David Montgomery took over the game and kind of sealed it away for the Lions. One thing of note is it does appear that Romeo Dobbs is the target of choice for Jordan Love. That'll be something interesting to keep in our minds going forward. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that... For me, there were some guys that were coming off injury in this matchup for both teams. So both David Montgomery and Aaron Jones in the running back spot were coming back from injury. And it was night and day difference which one was uh, more ready to play. David Montgomery got 121 yards and three touchdowns in this matchup, which really solidifies to me that he is definitely the number one back for Detroit. Jameer Gibbs has had his opportunity to kind of seize the role. And whether it's indecisiveness from him or whether it's the team not ready to risk the number 12 overall pick from last year's draft this early i i don't know but david montgomery is definitely the ground and pounder with 32 rushes in this game jameer gibbs is more of a change of pace guy and gets involved in the pass game as well and then also for green bay's receiving side christian watson I think this was his first game back from injury, so he likely was just being eased in. But I think it's going to be Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson as the two primary targets with Jaden Reed and Luke Musgrave getting the secondary targets there. So all four of these guys are going to be involved. Amon Ross St. Brown, he's kind of playing through injuries right now. So that's something we have to monitor because he's not 100% back yet, in my opinion. Sam Laporta is still uh, the secondary option in the passing attack for Detroit. I would have wished he would have gotten a touchdown, but he's still getting four or five catches every week, which for the tight end position right now is pretty crucial. So I'm keeping him in my starting lineup. Yeah, absolutely. And next week we get to see a little bit of Jamison Williams returning. So that'll be interesting to see where that shakes out in this Detroit offense. Let's go ahead and talk about the Falcons at the Jaguars in London. So we got to see uh, an interesting broadcast. I don't have ESPN Plus, so I ended up watching the Toy Story version, which to me was very buggy. And they're still working through the, the kinks. I have friends that have kids that are older than, than my daughter right now. So they, they enjoyed it with their kids. And even a, a family that doesn't really watch football, the kid was excited to watch the, the Toy Story football version. So I think in some regards it went over okay, but it was brutal as a football fan to watch it that way because it's, uh, it's just not the same. And I, I wish I would have seen the, the regular broadcast. But Jeff, how did you catch the game or uh, how, how did that go for you? I watched a little bit of the Toy Story broadcast and only because we have a little one around the house and I really wanted her to start liking football the way that I like football. So it was uh it was definitely something that we gave and tried. Also, I think I love these London games at 9:30 in the morning. I know next week the hometown Buffalo Bills will be on at 9:30 a.m. and they actually play the Jaguars. So we're going to see if this becomes a tradition with the Jaguars or any other team where they play back-to-back games in London, because I think the NFL is testing, like, maybe having a team in London or trying to figure out what that would look like. 
but really interesting to see so far. The only thing I really took away from this game was that the Falcons just don't know how to use Kyle Pitts, and it may be time for them to trade him because they are using Johnny Smith a heck of a lot more than they're using their first overall pick, and it just it's not working. And I don't know if it's Desmond Ritter. I don't think it's Kyle Pitts because I've seen plays where Kyle Pitts like just torches a defender and no one even looks his way. So I think it might be time to just trade him, get a fresh start and move on with his career. But the Jaguars did show up and they showed out. This is their home turf. They're home away from home. So next week's game, when we do break it down with the Bills and the Jaguars will be very interesting because it uh, will feature a severe home team in the Jaguars versus the Bills who are red hot. Who we'll get to in a few minutes here. Yeah, so my takeaways on this one are that the Falcons desperately need better quarterback play, whether Ritter needs to step up or whether they need to consider trading for a better veteran presence right now. I think that they really need to do something, and they're not getting enough plays. Bijan Robinson was hyper-efficient, so that's good for all of you Bijan fans out there. Didn't get a touchdown on this one. Tyler Algier is now, to me, in the back burner. He's no longer contributing what he was at the beginning of the season. And their passing game, other than John Smith this week, their passing game can't get anything going. So Drake London did get touchdown pass in London, and everyone's happy about that. But other than that, he was almost non-existent. Kyle Pitts and John Smith, they have almost an even amount of catches. But John Smith is getting more yardage, which is wild to me, and why they aren't using... Kyle Pitts more out wide like a wide receiver and using him and Drake London a lot. I don't know. I know there's a history with Johnny Smith and uh, Arthur Smith with, I know that they have time from his days with Tennessee. So maybe that's it. But I could see the Falcons at some point, if Tennessee gives up on the season, trading for a Ryan Tannehill quarter type quarterback. I could see a Gardner Minshew coming over. Like at this point, either of those guys would be an upgrade. Jacksonville, I was expecting a little bit more of an explosive offense. Travis Etienne, pretty much disappointed as far as I'm concerned. Just getting 55 yards off of 20 rushes and no touchdowns is very, very disappointing for what uh, for where he was being drafted. Calvin Ridley salvaged his day with that touchdown, but he basically had the same stat line as Drake London this week. And uh, Christian Kirk was the one that was the primary target. And I know people went off of him after week one, but Christian Kirk has been the primary pass catcher so far four weeks into the season for the Jags. So I think that's pretty crucial to uh, keep in mind. And Evan Ingram also putting up tight end one numbers um, every week, just the sheer amount of receptions that he's getting. So that's, that's all that I have for this matchup and good for the Jaguars. AFC South is all two and two, all tied up at two and two, which is crazy to me. Yeah, really shocking, and the Jaguars are going to start entering a harder stretch here. So we'll see what happens. But uh, a game that was actually for the division lead is the Ravens at the Browns. Um, I know, I know, you are super excited for Dorian Thompson-Robinson to get a, and I think I just said his name wrong, I think it's Dorian Robinson-Thompson. No, you got it right, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, DTR. All right, then I stand corrected and I wrote it wrong in the notes, but that's okay. Um, and uh, so he made Deshaun Watson look like a superstar this year because he was not able to move the ball, which actually does lend more questions than answers. Were you surprised to see Dorian not be able to lead, lead the Browns to any sort of offense? Like, because he did look at least competent in the preseason here but uh, obviously this isn't the preseason was there any shock there for you okay so there's a few factors to consider did i is it surprising that he struggled no he is playing without his best offensive weapon which is which is nick chubb and he was playing against the ravens defense which is no slouch so and he's a rookie so those three factors contribute to him struggling did i expect him to struggle as much as he did no i thought he'd do a little bit better than what he did um, going 19 for 36 for 120 yards, zero touchdowns, three interceptions. Not good. That That's not good. So he needs to improve there. I think he bought Deshaun Watson more time. And I think Deshaun Watson, when he's healthy, is going to be starting every week until he falls off a cliff. So he kind of solidified that. I think, though, this shows a problem with Cleveland without someone like Nick Chubb. 
to balance out that offense. They're clearly hurting at the running back spot. None of these guys is really um, holding down the fort for that position. And that's concerning because without the, the run game going, someone like Amari Cooper, it might not get the points that you want on a weekly basis. And that that's a little concerning for uh, Amari Cooper fans and football owners that have him as well. On Baltimore side, that's what I've always thought, that Lamar Jackson was going to be the primary uh, rusher, especially in the red zone. They don't have a true lead back, and I don't even think if Dobbins was healthy, I don't really think that he would put up RB1 numbers either. So nothing has really changed in this offense as far as I can tell, other than I think Zay Flowers, despite a little bit of a slow week this week, I think he is someone that is actually startable on a weekly basis, whereas in the past they haven't thrown to the wide receiver position that frequently. But Mark Andrews is back as the number one target, and I expect him to stay that way for the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely, and that is really it's really interesting to see him finally come on because we didn't know what was going to happen with with Mark Andrews this year because he has not been quite the same. Now, I never thought that this would be the case, but the Browns probably wish they have Josh Dobbs back. And <laughs> you remember when they traded him to the Cardinals and you were like, what are the Cardinals doing? Yeah, Josh Dobbs, who basically had nothing on his record to show he would be a good quarterback has definitely performed well and would have done better. It's I think it's without a doubt he would have done better than what DTR did this past weekend. Yeah, people miss people miss uh talent all the time and they miss Rita, even experts miss it. And it does appear that way with Josh Jobs and we'll get to that game a little bit later on. But right now we need to talk about something more sombering for you, Alec, and that's the Bengals at the Titans. I know you were very big on the Titans potentially coming off of a cliff this year. We were very high on the Bengals to start the year. So how are you no, feeling not, after Not to start game? the year. I was high on the Bengals for the course of the season, not the start of the year. Because with a hurt quarterback, how can you possibly be successful at the beginning of the year? Um, are you just as high I, now on them or a little bit lower now? No, because they've mismanaged the Joe Burrow injury this whole time. They, they should have shelved him for the first four weeks. And then they would be in a better position for the rest of the year. They decided to let him play. I don't think he's any closer to being fully healthy. That's very concerning. Higgins has been a wild, like a huge disappointment for all the fantasy owners that have him. I've been out on Higgins for a while now, but I, I just think that he should be doing better than this, and he's not going to be earning a contract if this is what he puts up. Joe Mixon somehow keeps salvaging the day a little, little bits at a time, so he's still like RB two or RB three position despite how terrible this team has been and you have to think at some point they'll write the ship and he will be more effective as well as jamar chase uh tyler boyd maybe higgins but man it has been a disaster four weeks into the season for the Bengals, losing to a team like the titans who haven't been able to pass protect at all very well but ryan Tannehill. 240 yards off of just 18 completions, one touchdown, one interception. He played very well. Derrick Henry demolished the Bengals' defense. There's really, to me, no one in the passing offense I trust week by week uh, for the Titans. So, I mean, any week that they can squeak off a win is an accomplishment, and to win 27-3 to is, uh, is kind of astounding for me because I don't think that they can keep performances up like that. And it just, I think the Bengals were just bad. And that's the only thing that makes sense to me about this matchup. But Derrick Henry is still, still going strong as long as they lean on him. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we disagree on Henry a little bit and his longevity that he has left. But this is always the type of runner that he is. He's a guy that gets better as the game goes on. And I was really confused the first four games of the year. Um, or the first three games, because they did lean on him in game four. But the first three games of the year, they didn't really lean on him like this. And this made a huge difference because this is how they won games in the past. And it's shocking to me because how good Cincinnati's defense was the Monday night prior. But uh, I guess, I guess that this is just, uh, this is going to be the type of season I think that the Bengals are going to have as long as Joe Burrow is fighting that calf injury. And what's more concerning is they put up three points against the Titans. And you would have to think they have a backup quarterback that could put up more points, if, especially if it is Joe Burrow's injury that is hampering this team. But uh, 
Yeah, it's not good right now for the Bengals. And they play the Cardinals next week, and I don't know if it gets any better because the team that was supposed to end up with 1.01 might beat one of your Super Bowl favorite contenders, and it wouldn't be a shock right now. So, And that's kind of crazy five weeks into the season. And this is why I love football. There's always surprises every year, and it's, uh, it's, okay. nice, to, it's nice to be surprised sometimes. Yeah, so All let's right. talk about the battle of the winless of the Broncos at the Bears. And I will let you go ahead and get this kicked off with my buddy Justin Fields. You know how much I love him. How did he do in this game? I think it's interesting because I think Justin Fields had higher highs than Russell Wilson did this week, but he also had two kind of brutal turnovers as well. So he kind of fluctuated between playing actually really well in some circumstances and then just cost him with a couple of turnovers. And Russell Wilson played mistake-free football for the most part. No interceptions, no fumbles for him. And both of them had a pretty high quarterback ratings, so that was interesting. What I also think is interesting about this matchup is Khalil Herbert finally broke out four weeks in and got produ- got most of the carries for the Bears, which to me was a little bit shocking because it seemed like Roshan was building momentum. Roshan was kind of an afterthought in this matchup. And Jaleel McLaughlin has looked to me like he surpassed the other running backs for the Broncos. He is by far the most explosive one right now. Samaj P. Ryan to me is not very quick. He's not very agile. He's definitely a, a plotting backup. And Dave, uh, Javante Williams got injured in this one and looks like even if he's healthy, he might be splitting significant time with Jaleel McLaughlin for the rest of the year. But with a hip injury, he might be out this next week. So uh, if I was a fantasy owner out here, I would probably be picking up Jaleel McLaughlin if he's still on the waiver wire, and especially if you have Javante Williams. So those were interesting to me. DJ Moore finally had a breakout game which was much needed for anyone who owns him in fantasy. However, I think he's going to be hovering back and forth between the wide receiver two and wide receiver three position. I don't think he really consistently breaks out enough to warrant wide receiver one. On Denver's side, I don't, I, mean, I don't know how I feel about these pass catchers because I don't think Jerry Judy is it. I think Cortland Sutton is really the only one you can kind of start at the wide receiver three or flex spot. But even then, he's like a backup to fill in for someone else's bye week if you have better people. But Man, it's it's not looking good for the forecast of either one of these teams going forward, but there is some hope for uh, the, the Bears, a little bit of hope for the Bears, but I think Denver's basically been pretty consistent that they're probably not going to win very many games, but sometimes they might have some fantasy relevance. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, Fields looked uh, passable this game, um, but, but, as you know, I'm not a Fields believer. He's 6-29 and 29 as a starter. I do believe that the Bears have decided that they're going to move on from him after this year, and I know you might disagree with that, but, I mean, they're not going to move off of him this year because there's really no point to that. I don't think there's any point to looking at the backup that they have chosen. Um, what's more puzzling is the Chase Claypool situation. I don't know if you followed this, Alex, but the coach and the GM can't keep this story straight. And it does seem to be a distraction method for the coach and GM for this 0-4 start. Um, it seems like a look over here, don't look at how badly we're, we're doing. Um, I think that Claypool's time with the team is over. Um, and that's probably good for both sides because I do think that there will be a team that snags Claypool and potentially tries to use him. Um, in a role that's right and not one that costs a 32nd overall pick. Um, I also think that um, Claypool didn't do himself the biggest service this year, um, but I just don't, I don't find any motivation on the team at all right now. Um, what is, what's your take on this Chase Claypool situation? Cause I know how much uh, you're not a fan of Chase. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of Chase. I'm not a fan of the trade that they made to acquire him last year. I, I don't think he's a good enough player to be a, a top two option for a team. And I think from all the all the aspects that I've read about 
for him. Everything that's come out, he seems like a locker room cancer, a distraction. He's not focused on playing football. He's focused on himself. He's giving poor effort in practice and in the games. And it just seems like they're they're done with his antics. And he's not helping a bad team get better. He's not uh, he's not motivated to try. So they want to get rid of him as soon as possible. And they gave up virtually a first round pick to get him. And they're going to give him away, basically. I think there's no one that's going to offer any compensation for him. So I think they likely cut him. And he ends up on a practice squad somewhere out there. But I don't see him being a contributor this year. And I, if he doesn't change anything about himself, then I think that uh, he is going to be out of the league fairly shortly. Yeah, for sure. Um, the good news is, is there's teams that could potentially use him and now he gets to kind of have his choice of which team that he goes to. Um, there's there's a ton of wide receiver needy teams, so all he needs to do is catch on and put on his best working outfit and uh, give it a shot. But uh, I don't think it's over for him yet, but I think it's over for him in Chicago. Um, Russ continues to look good. He had three touchdowns, brought the Broncos back against the Bears. Um, I think overall that um he's going to continue to be the starting quarterback for the foreseeable future but uh that's just my opinion and uh Sean Payton could always move in a different direction depending on what he's feeling uh going forward because he did spend a lot of money for backup Jarrett Stidham so will be interesting yep we can move on to the Los Angeles Rams at the Indianapolis Colts. So I, I think this is interesting. The Colts had the opportunity to win this game, which is wild to me. They they tied it up from down 23-0. to zero. They tied it up right into overtime, and it looked like they had a chance to win. They ultimately lost overtime. But to me, the story of the day is Anthony Richardson having a better quarterback rating than Matthew Stafford. He had two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, one fumble loss. He was the primary ball carrier for most of the game. Zach Moss almost had no stats until the second half. So all of you who started Zach Moss were probably panicking. But man, there were so many drops by Indianapolis receivers. Michael Pittman was not a good start this week. He uh, one catch, 15, 15 yards, and he was targeted five times. So not great. Um, I think on the other side, Kyron Williams finally broke out, finally averaged over four yards per carry, got 103 yards, two touchdowns. So that's nice to see that they have the ground game potentially resolved going forward. Puka Nakua had another exceptional week. So, man, he is killing it this year. And it looks like the best rookie wide receiver four weeks into the year. Tyler Higby, consistent uh, tight end who's on the verge of tight end wandom. And so he's tight end one, <laughs> tight end two turn for me. So he's somewhere in that range. But Tutu Atwell, Van Jefferson, non-existent this week. Uh, hopefully Cooper Cup comes back soon. He might be activated uh, onto the active roster, but still might not play, if, even if that does happen. So that's something to keep in mind. But hopefully that offense will be high-flying for uh, the rest of the season. Yeah, I really laughed at your tight end Wundum. <laughs> I've never heard that before, but uh, I like Wundum. It should be a thing. Um, Let's make it a it, thing. It is a thing now. It is a thing. Um, so Anthony Richardson did show signs of life, but he did also complete 44% of his balls, which was always like a big concern about for me going into this year. Um, I don't know if you know this, Alex, but I use Anthony Richardson quite often in Madden 24 and he does not complete 50% of his balls very often. So this is kind of right in line with a, a Madden game um and it was a very winnable colts game but uh the rams i mean they 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 have much more talent than we thought that they did going into the year and i was relatively high on them so they're even better than i thought they were going to be because this was all without literally their best weapon and if they get their best weapon back and they can spread the ball around a little bit more i think this offense could move the ball a lot easier and this actually might open more running lanes for kyron williams and the running backs going forward. So it'll be really interesting. Uh, I did note that uh, Rivers did take over for Williams for a little stretch there, and there was not much of a difference between the two. Um, 
running wise. So I think it is a direct one to one swap if anything ever happened to Kyron Williams right now. I think they would go to Ronnie Rivers right after that. Okay. Well, let's move on to your matchup of the week, the Dolphins at the Bills. So good. And uh, I have to ask you, is Raheem Mostert no longer a must-start? He's still running back three on the... Running back two on the year. Sorry, A-Chan's running back three. A-Chan, sorry. A-Chan is still running back three on the on the year and most start must start is running back two i think this is just a down week i think this is a week where miami had to escape their game plan pretty early because the bills scored pretty much on every drive that they had the football i think i only remember one punt so and it made it extremely difficult for the dolphins at that point because it became a track meet and now now it is it's just interesting uh, to see the Dolphins not be able to keep up when it is a track meet. Um, and it's even funnier because they're literally the fastest team in the entire league. But I do think that this put the league on notice that Buffalo is here and is a top contender for 2023. I don't think that they are the top contender right now, um, but they are a contender to at least win the AFC and, and make it to the Super Bowl. Um, both of these teams will meet at least one more time. And if I had to bet on it, they'll probably meet a second time in the playoffs. So this matchup just never gets old for me because it's, it's literally Josh Allen versus Mike McDaniel. And it is just, it's, it's very fun to watch as a viewer. And this was the local game for me. And I think it was the game of the week and the national game for a lot of folks also, which is interesting that the bills have hit that level because there was a huge stretch of like 25 years where the bills were just never on TV. Um, interesting note, the bills did not have a rusher over 20 or over 32 yards and they spread the ball around um, and rushing um, and two touchdowns on the ground, I think only on eight carries. So he's still not getting a ton of a workload, but he is performing right now. What were some of your takeaways from this game? So some of my takeaways are uh, James Cook got a red zone touchdown. So that's that's nice to see. Four weeks in, he finally got one. So I, I appreciate that. Kind of salvaged his week a little bit. But they got so far ahead, they actually leaned a little bit more on Damian Harris and Latavius Murray this week. So that was nice to see. Gabe Davis is kind of surprising right now because, Jeff, I don't know if you knew this, but he is the wide receiver 22 and half point PPR right now, which is a little surprising to me. He is over Michael Pittman, Garrett Wilson, Christian Kirk, and Jamar Chase, as well as Chris Olave. Isn't that crazy? Like that blows my mind. That is kind of crazy. But if you remember in the preseason, I was definitely not as high as folks were on Mr. Olave. And interestingly enough that you mentioned that, but uh, back to Gabe, He's being very consistent right now. Um, And also, you mentioned that they leaned on Damian Harris and Latavius Murray a little bit in this game. And I I want to applaud the Bills for not rushing Josh Allen as much this season. And uh, Josh Allen's being forced to use wide receivers like Gabe Davis and um, Khalil Shakir uh, as well. So just just had to point that out. And uh, but yeah, that was an interesting stat there, Alex. Okay, so I think we pretty much covered that matchup. I think, obviously, the Dolphins will bounce back, but these are two electric teams. They uh, they are going to be competing for the lead in this division throughout the year. I think both of them are going to be in the playoffs. So it, it's an exciting matchup, and I think the Dolphins need a beating to come back to earth and uh, you know, kind of deflate their ego a little bit. So I think it's a, one of the, the silver linings of this is they will be a little bit more humble going forward. Was it the game of the week, like I called it? Well, I mean, it didn't end up that way because it wasn't tit for tat, but it was still an exciting game to watch because you know, I never thought the Dolphins were 100% out of it, even when right. they got pretty far behind. But it's really funny. They got smoked the week after they did the smoking. So just just an interesting – the NFL is a week-to-week sport and not really super cumulative until we hit the postseason. Okay. We can move on to the Vikings at the Panthers. 
So <laughs> this was a bit of a up and down matchup. Kirk Cousins had his worst game. Did not look good at all in this matchup. But they squeaked out a must, a very much needed victory against the Panthers, who aren't looking great going uh, four weeks into the season. So the Panthers are doing their best to give the Bears the top two picks in the draft. Um, and Vikings, even with this victory, are, are looking on the outside of the playoffs right now. So maybe they can get their season turned around from this point on. Right now, it's an uphill battle. Justin Jefferson, weekly start, because he's just the number one guy. He only had six receptions this time, but two of them were for touchdowns, so you still got your points out there. Um, Hawkinson didn't have a good game because if your quarterback's not having a good game, your passing options aren't. But Madison, stringing together two good back-to-back weeks, so he is stabilizing his position at the running back spot. He might stay RB2 for the rest of the season at this point if he keeps it up. Not much to say about Carolina's offense. However, this is probably the best I've seen Bryce Young so far. So that is uh, one bright spot there. And Adam Thielen it has been consistent the last two weeks now. So not 100 yards, but he still was very efficient this week, getting you seven receptions for 76 yards. Terrence Marshall, though, getting nine receptions on 10 targets. That was interesting to see. Is that more because Mingo missed the game, or is Terrence Marshall going to actually be more of a part of this offense? I don't know. We we will see, but he has been kind of banged up at the start of the season too. So we'll see if he remains involved. But I, I think Absolutely. that the pan I think that the Panthers will start to get some things together uh, as the season progresses. I don't expect him to stay on the bottom this year. No, me either. And I do like to watch Bryce Young take the steps needed in the uh, offense and. Uh, Man, it would be a lot different, too, if he could get an effective run game, and it's just not there yet. Um, And also, speaking of run games, Akers made his debut for the Vikings, which was really interesting. Um, I think that he looked good. I just don't think he's ready to run the entire offense yet. But Madison did handle the load, and it does look like Madison has some incentive now with someone chasing him for the starting role. So. It's uh it's definitely a different day in Minnesota. Uh Minnesota does not look like a good team this year though, like overall. Their offense looks fine. Like I know they had a bad offensive day this this week, but I, I if they get into track meets, they're not going to win those. They're just not. I was thinking when they're struggling early on in this game, if they lose to the Panthers, Kevin O'Connell has got to be on the hottest seat of any coach, which is surprising considering Chicago the Chicago's coach isn't on that hot of a seat despite their struggles. So, oh, I don't think he makes it past this year because I think I think him bungling this uh, Claypool thing or at least not being able to give straight answers or consistent answers, then I think this is good. This is going downhill kind of quickly. I think Josh McDaniels might be on a hot seat as well. But speaking of rookie quarterbacks, we'll hop over to your team here. And I do believe that CJ Stroud is the best rookie quarterback so far. And he proved it again against a pretty stout Steelers defense as the Texans pretty handily beat the Steelers. I'll let you break down this one because this is your team, Alex. Yeah, it's it's a little surprising to me. I, I like CJ Stroud in the draft process. I listed him as my number one quarterback for the pre-draft uh, videos. For those of you who have gone back and watched those or watched those when, when we released them, he was my number one quarterback. And I thought somehow the Texans were going to mess it up. And after I did that video, all all the stories came out about how he failed um, his cognition tests and stuff like that. So uh, I was really worried about how the season would go. Then we had all the offensive line issues. But he has put up one of the best starts for any rookie quarterback four weeks into a season. So he has just played leaps and bounds above what I expected of him at this point. And I, I think that the Texans are going to play pretty well this season. I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but they might do better than my projection of 6 and 11. Now, I don't that, that still could prove to be true, but right now they have started off better than I expected them to. So, uh, that's exciting for me. I wish they'd fix their run game a little bit more, but Damian Pierce finally had a, a serviceable week this week and the Steelers are just in free fall, man. I don't know what's going on with them. Uh, the Texans defense is okay, but they're not 
uh, near shutout level good. So I'm I'm still surprised the Steelers got beat down thirty to six. If I was a Najee Harris owner, I'd be worried about his production, and it's not because he doesn't have the talent. It's because he's not getting enough carries. They're not getting leads. Um, Kenny Pickett has struggled mightily. So they're just not where we thought they'd be, especially with all the improvements that they made on their offensive line um, in the offseason. So I don't know uh, how bad it has to be for Mike Tomlin to be on the hot seat. (laughs) If they lose out the rest of the year, do you think Mike Tomlin gets fired? Do you think Matt Canada gets fired at the offensive coordinator position? Like, I I don't know what's going on with them, but man, it's it's been rough. I think Cartman had it right when he said blame Canada. So, <laughs> um, but honestly, um, what is happening with Stroud right now is everything that I preach to you week in and week out about how, regardless of circumstances, you need to perform. And he's performing regardless of his circumstances of an offensive line issues and everything like that. Um, he's not letting these quote unquote excuses get in the way. So it's uh, refreshing to see that because that is huge uh, and can go a long way um, with building confidence of teammates and building confidence of the coaching staff. I do believe that Stroud has shown that he can carry a team and that's what you want to see in a quarterback. We don't see Kenny Pickett doing that in year two in a better circumstance as you did point out. Um, So just really interesting to kind of watch all of that fit together. Um, They're both in the same game. Stroud outperforms Pickett, even against the stout Pittsburgh defense. So this game did not go how I pictured it, but uh, here we are. The Texans beat the Steelers. And now here's a game that we also didn't envision. The Buccaneers beating the New Orleans Saints. Um, Carr struggled mightily. He did play. We can argue back and forth all day if he should have played. Kamara did play. Uh, he showed me enough now that he needs to hit starting lineups each week. Um, he, I do believe that they eased him back in. They didn't give him like a full workload. Um, Chris Olave disappeared. So unlike Nico Collins in the game before, who appeared and, and is appearing dominant. Olave just disappeared in this moment, and we don't know if that's because of Carr's uh, shoulder injury or what, but uh, what's really surprising in this game is the Saints actually have a good defense, and Baker Mayfield actually looked good, and he has a good connection with both Godwin and Evans, and uh, it's just really interesting because he had OBJ and Landry at one point, and he could not build a connection with them, so we just assumed it was all Baker. But it may not have been all Baker in that situation because he actually it's it's showing that he can grow and develop those relationships with wide receivers. And I don't know if he's just growing as a person and that's kind of where it comes in. But as we expected, the Bucks are in first place right now this this early in the season, but they were a 1.01 contender. Any thoughts on this game that I missed? So I I will just point out that I think Alvin Kamara did have a full workload because yes he had only 11 rushes but he had 13 catches on 14 targets he was by far and away the leading target on the receiving game um but man i think it was a mistake to play Derek carr i I think that his shoulder was clearly bothering him he couldn't throw it down the field um that really impacted the game because olave does best when you throw deep balls to him or intermediate passes uh, I know that he also struggles against contact, and I think that the Bucks' defense is very physical, so that might have been another contributing factor. So it, it's inexcusable to me to not get him more involved than one catch for four yards. He did get six targets, the same as uh, Michael Thomas, but between Derek Carr and, and the physical defense, I, I think that contributed to him not performing. I think they should have played James Winston from the get-go because when they finally do put James Winston in, he's trying too hard and threw an interception, and that is the only pass that he threw. So brutal on the Saints side. I do think Alvin Kamara will get better and better throughout the year, especially when Derek Carr is healthy. But like you said, Baker Mayfield outperforming expectations this year, and with that comes the Buccaneers outperforming expectations. I do think Baker is he is the perfect type of quarterback to thrive with how the offense is built for Tampa Bay. And on top of that, the offensive coordinator has been very good as well. So I think that they 
will be a middle-of-the-pack team, and they may potentially push for playoffs, especially if they win the division. Um, it's unfortunate that Mike Evans got hurt in this matchup because I think he definitely would have gotten more stats than just three receptions for 40 yards. But it was good for people who had Chris Godwin because he got the primary uh, target share after Evans went down. Um, if, those, if those two are healthy, they're starts every week. Um, I don't think that they have a tight end that is worth it, and I don't think that they have another option outside of those two that's that great. Maybe Rashad White coming out of the backfield, but um, that's that's about it there. I think these teams will keep competing for the division lead throughout the year. Yeah, and I think the Falcons are out of it, and I think the Panthers are out of it now. So Falcons aren't out of it yet, but if the Falcons get beat by the Texans, they they might be pretty close out. Yeah, they just don't look good, though. I, I mean, it's more of a feel thing than a record thing for me at this point. That's how I feel about Richardson, but you just won't let me have it. So <laughs> I need to see it first, and he needs to put it together. They should have won that When I watch him play, when I watch him play, I'm like, he looks better every week. He doesn't have the receiving group that some of these other guys have. Like, if you put Rich, if Atlanta drafted and traded up for Richardson instead of taking Bijan, with the offense that they had with Pitts, with London, with Algier as the primary running back, I think they would be much better off than they are right now with Ritter. So I, I just I can't see them not being better with Richardson. And I think you would agree with that because I think you're lower on Ritter than you are with Richardson. Yeah, it's time to get rid of Ritter. Must start Mostert and rid of Ritter. Just get Ritter. Yep. All right. Let's move on to a surprisingly good matchup with uh, Washington at the Eagles. Jeff, do you want to take this one? I do. The I think I think Washington might actually be good. Like I, I I'm starting to wonder if Sam Howell is actually a good NFL quarterback. Um, they took Philly to the brink. I do think that there is a controversial coaching decision in this game for them not to go for two at the end of regulation and try to beat Philly right there because there's no guarantee that they were going to get the football in overtime. And I, I get Ron Rivera's reasoning is that his offense was tired, but on the inverse of that, do we not believe that the defense was equally as tired as the offense because they just marched down that field also. So it does feel like a more of an excuse than an actual reason, but uh, it's good to see Jalen hurts look better. AJ Brown looks better also, and uh, he did look very dominant in this game. And as I mentioned, Sam Howell could be an NFL starting quarterback. What I mean by that, a top 32 guy, not just someone that actually has a starting NFL job, like Desmond Ritter. I know we're kind of piling on Ritter right now. But, uh, and then also uh, Brian Robinson and, uh, and Swift, they, they find the end zone in this game. And I, I think that's really positive for the running backs of these, both of these backfields. And it does seem like there's a clear leader in the clubhouse for both of these backfields. And they are clear starters right now, Swift and Robinson. No, um, I would even ask you, do you think DeAndre Swift is an RB1? Uh, I've been there before. <laughs> Just last year with Detroit. Did not work well. Do not recommend. Well, let's see where he falls. Better he in, in half point PPR, he is the number 10 back, which no, pretty much no matter what league you're in, if you're at least in a 10-team league, he is an RB1. So that blows my mind. He is above Derrick Henry in points. He is above Isaiah Pacheco, James Cook, James Conner. So that is interesting company to be in. Uh, I would also ask you, Brian Robinson, is he an RB1? Man, I really wish that he didn't have his gunshot wound last year, and I'm sure he wishes that more than I do for obvious reasons. But uh, I think he was building towards that. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but Bijan and Brian, the Robinsons, mm-hmm. know, maybe they're brothers, maybe they're not. Um, they're 0.6 away from each other in points. And Bijan got all of this hype this year, and Brian didn't get any of it. Um, so, and I, I know that Bijan is living up to his hype. That's totally fine and everything like that. But it's almost like a little bit sweeter when a guy that didn't have the hype lives gets to that level as well. Um, 
like your Kenneth Walkers and your Kyron Williams. Um, it's just it's it's a little bit sweeter to find like those those hidden gems. And uh, I feel like Brian Robinson is one of them. And I know that people were him uh, were, were going back and forth on Gibson and Robinson in that backfield. Gibson is not a factor in this backfield currently. So just an interesting observation more than anything at this point. So I'll just say statistically, Brian Robinson is an RV1. He is currently number seven and half point PPR. Um, I will let you guys know that guys that people expected to be higher, Josh Jacobs, Travis Etienne, Joe Mixon, Alexander Madison, Ramondre Stevenson, those guys are 17, 18, 19, 20, 23. So it, it certainly has not gone the way people thought with a lot of these backs. So there's a lot of surprises, and people that drafted backs early on face a lot of disappointment right now, and it's a lot of mid-round later guys that are showing up. Um, as far as this game goes... I think it's very interesting that Curtis Samuel appears to be the number two receiving option over Jahan Dotson. Everyone had Jahan Dotson passing up Terry McLaren this week, McLaurin. Um, that has not been the case so far. I mean, he salvaged his week with a touchdown, but he has not been getting the targets that we expected him to get at this point. And I'm wondering if Curtis Samuel is a guy that people should be throwing out as their wide receiver three on a weekly basis. I considered claiming him this week in a few leagues, but uh, I've been burned by that before. Well, he has three more receptions for 68 more yards than uh, Dotson does at this point. Yep. Dotson's getting some targets, though. And if we can start getting connected on those targets, then that that's... I, I don't understand what the disconnect is there, to be honest. Dotson did catch a touchdown this week, though. Well, he is fortunate he has discount Josh Allen throwing him the ball. He actually looks good. All right. Let's move on. Let's try to uh, power through these next ones, and we'll start with the Raiders at the Chargers. Uh, it almost looked for a second that the Raiders might be able to compete with the Chargers, and they did for most of this game, which is a little bit surprising. Uh, I think Josh, or sorry, Justin Herbert got beat up a lot in this matchup. Um, Josh Kelly had an okay game, but... Still not what you want to see. Josh Jacobs finally had a bounce back week. <laughs> Man, he had a bounce back week. Not only did he have 58 yards and a touchdown on the ground, but he had eight receptions for 81 yards on 11 targets for the Raiders with Aiden O'Connell at the helm. Aiden O'Connell wasn't perfect. Um, he didn't throw a touchdown and he had an interception, but I think he shows potential and I think that they should consider using him uh, throughout the season. It's likely, though, they go back to Garoppolo this week. So I just wouldn't count on O'Connell yet. But, man, if you're in a two-quarterback league or you're in a, a dynasty, I would stash Aiden O'Connell because I think his time is coming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he did look better than DTR. So that is saying something. Um, I don't know if you saw the video with the uh, Raiders fans telling Mark Davis to fire josh mcdaniels and him just yelling back at them uh but that did happen and uh it does not seem like he wants to fire josh mcdaniels right now even though he makes boneheaded um boneheaded decisions uh, in games like going for a field goal when you're down eight um man uh so the number one overall quarterback right now do you know who that is alex I know even on a down even after a down week it is your boy Justin Herbert. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw it but he like had a broken finger that like popped through the skin and he got it fixed on the sideline put a glove on and threw a 50 some yard pass to Josh Palmer to ice the game. Um the the guy's a gamer and I it wasn't his throwing hand so I want to be very clear about that but he's not expected to miss any time with it. And I don't expect him to miss any time with it, but he's the guy that gets a broken finger popped back in and splinted and back into the game. Um, and then, and then leads a team to a victory, but the chargers desperately need Eckler back to take some of the pressure off of throwing the ball so much. Um, no team can survive like that long-term. So they definitely need their running back back. And I don't think Josh Kelly is it. Like he helps a little bit, but, He's just a plotter at this point, in my opinion. 
Did you know that Justin Herbert had almost as many rushes as completions? Yeah. I mean, that's very shocking. So 12 rushes versus 13 completions. Yeah. I don't really love him rushing the football. Like this is, this goes back to the Josh Allen discussion earlier. I prefer my quarterback to run maximum five times a game. I think the Eagles would be much more comfortable with Jalen hurts. If he could get to that point, Uh, the bears tried to force Justin Fields to that. And that obviously failed, but good times. But I will, uh, I will just point out one more thing before we move on. Um, And that is Quentin Johnson is not the the number two option minus Mike Williams or Eckler. Um, That is Joshua Palmer with eight targets. Uh, So Quentin Johnson is still to me, not a factor. I didn't like him in the draft process. It's concerning that a team would spend a first-round pick, and he's still not heavily involved, and he still struggles with drops. And that seems to be a consistent issue with Quentin Johnston week by week. Yeah, really, though, outside of Zay Flowers, there isn't a first-round wide receiver that's heavily involved with their team yet. So that's an interesting point. Oh, Addison, yeah. Yeah, but then you have uh, JSN that's not yet... um, yeah, but he had a broken hand or a broken wrist. Absolutely. So that's fair. Absolutely, but uh, he's also battling behind the depth charts, kind of like uh, Quentin Johnson was as well. He's but, not anymore. Uh, Quentin Johnson should should be in the limelight now. Eckler has been out, and Williams is out. Like He should have the opportunity. Did you see the, not to switch topics on this, but did you see the boneheaded play by Staley again to try to go for it on fourth down, and they failed trying to give the Raiders the game? He should be on the hot seat, even though it wins. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what they do about that because they're, they're still finding a way to win um, a couple games now. So Not pretty, though. We'll see. Yep. Okay, well, let's move on to the next matchup. The Cardinals at the 49ers. And my gosh, did the 49ers run Christian McCaffrey in this one. Um, 20 rushes, 7 catches, they had almost 200 yards, and 4 touchdowns. So everyone who drafted him, number 1 overall, number 2 overall in your leagues, kudos to you. He has been phenomenal every single week, and he just gets that much more oomph whenever Mitchell's out, even though Mitchell doesn't take that much away from him. So that's always exciting. Brandon Ayuk came back, and came back big with... Six catches for 148 yards. That was good to see as well. And Debo nursing some sore ribs uh, was more of a decoy this week than he was uh, contributing on the stat sheet. Uh, he he set up the big plays for Brandon Ayuk. So, yes, it was a down week for Debo, but he's being used very heavily, and he should have a bounce-back week coming. George Kittle I was a little disappointed with, but with all the options playing, I can see why he didn't get uh, very many targets. On the flip side, the Cardinals' offense still looked good playing against one of the best defenses in the league with Josh Dobbs at the helm, so much so that they're not rushing back Kyler Murray. Um, James Conner had an okay week. Uh, Marquise Brown had a good week. Michael Wilson is showing up. Uh, I think if he's on the waiver wire for any of you out there right now, you have to make room for him if you can. Um, he is going to only pick up from here, in my opinion. So, Jeff, what were your takeaways in this matchup? I mean, the only thing that I really have to add to this is Ayuk is going to get paid this offseason, and it's kind of shocking that he went from the doghouse in San Francisco to the point where he's very clearly the number one wide receiver there now. Well, he made the attitude adjustment and did what the coach wanted to do, and that's the best way to come back, so... We can move on now to the Patriots at the Cowboys. Jeff, I see from your notes here, you have some things to say about this matchup. So I'll let you take the lead on this one. Uh, I know you like him, Mac Jones, but I'm writing him off. I wrote off Justin Fields. I'm writing off Mac Jones now as well. And there will be another quarterback later that I'm going to consider writing off. But I don't think Mac Jones is it. I think he's got an attitude problem. I think he's got uh, sportsmanship issues. I think um, he's just a guy that um, isn't going to get it in this league. Um, What's really concerning about this game overall, and maybe it's just this one game aberration, 
but no running back had over 47 yards. So that's Pollard, Stevenson, Elliott. No one had over 47 yards. My question for you in this game, as the Cowboys easily handled the Patriots, Dak turned into a game manager again, which is totally fine. This is what you kind of expect from a game like this. So I'm not bashing him at all. But are you buying or are you selling CD Lamb right now? What are you doing in leagues with CD Lamb? Someone selling for cheap, I'll probably buy him. Um, CD Lamb, I don't have him in any league, but that's not because I don't value him. Um, it's just because he went typically at the end of first rounds or high second round, so I didn't have the opportunity to really get him at a good value spot. But I think that eventually the Cowboys are going to have more difficult matchups where they're going to have to pass, and CeeDee Lamb is the guy. He, This is a league that's now moving to more dynamic slot receivers, and he is that. He's an inside-out kind of player. He can move all around. Uh, he is by far the best receiving talent on this team. But the guy that I will sell is Brandon Cooks because he has not had the season that people thought he would have, and that's basically two years in a row. Um, he is on the getting on the older side, and I think that uh, at this point, it's looking like Michael Gallup and Jalen Tolbert are both better than him um, as two and three options on this team. Jake Ferguson is also above him. So with the volume that Dak has done, and he hasn't really pushed it down the field as much as we would like, I just don't know if anyone has that much of a value at all in this passing game. But I think if anyone does, it's CeeDee Lamb. And as far as Mac Jones goes, um, the talent-wise, talent, talent -wise, I still like him. I think he's on a bad offense. But what is pushing him over the edge for me is I do not like the the tactics that he's doing in games. I don't like the poor sportsmanship, the dirty plays. I don't like the attitude. Like, yes, you're in a, a difficult situation, but no coach is going – if. New England cut him today. He may get picked up on a practice squad, but no one's going to invest in you if you have this kind of attitude issue. And if if they don't think that they can work with you, then you're not going to be in the league long. Like Carson Wentz, to me, is cleaner than him, but he has negative uh, personality issues, and he still hasn't gotten a job in the league despite teams having injuries at the quarterback position. Mac Jones is going to be worse off than him if he keeps this up. So that's concerning. I'm also concerned about... Uh, New England's rushing offense. Romaje Stevenson hasn't performed what I had hoped for him. And yes, it's partly because of Zeke, but it's partly because his offense just isn't great. And I think that Bill O'Brien is being exposed as not that great of an offensive coordinator um, as well. So I think he's been overrated in his career the entire time. And I think it's showing now. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't really have anything else to say about this game. Um, but. It's a, uh, I think we might be hitting the end of the Bill Belichick era. Yep, it seems like it's fast approaching. Okay, All let's right. move on to the Sunday night matchup. The Kansas City Chiefs at the New York Jets. And my gosh, did Kansas City almost lose to Zach Wilson. So, Taylor Swift Part 2 wasn't as nice as Part 1, but the Chiefs do come out with the victory here. But the interesting part is that if I put up two stat lines of Wilson and Mahomes in this matchup, you would match the wrong one to the wrong quarterback. Uh, so, I don't know if this was Zach Wilson taking a step forward or if this was a one-game aberration, but I'm willing to look at next week's game with Zach Wilson now to see if this was a one game thing, or if this is going to be something that he starts stringing together a positive progression of his career. Now, um, someone pointed out something really interesting. Like, let's say that the jets by some miracle get into the playoffs with Zach Wilson and Rogers is ready to come back. Like in what world does it make sense to, turn away from a hot quarterback of Zach Wilson to Aaron Rodgers because he he would have to get really hot for them to get into the playoffs I just I I feel like that would be a bad situation because um, you don't want to take that opportunity away from the person that got you there uh, yeah I just uh, that that's just something to look down the line on I'm not saying that the Jets are going to make the playoffs but Everyone's talking about Rodgers coming back before the season's over with. But it does look like Isaiah Pacheco is going to take over the backfield. 
um, and did take over the backfield in this game. So that's an interesting little tidbit and stat. Um, I think it's safe to say that CEH season is not happening again this year. And I do think that the Chiefs are holding out McKinnon towards the back half of the year to use him a little bit more the back half of the year. Um, and the last thing I will say that really shocked me in this matchup is Brees Hall only had six carries. Um, he did have 56 yards, but six carries is a little alarming for me. Um, it does seem like he can handle more than six carries right now. It's a three-point game, so I think that he should have been ran at least 10 to 12 times. But um, we will see what happens with that going forward. Anything that I missed? So I will say that Patrick Mahomes looks like he struggled the first four weeks of the season. Um, a couple of the games were against good defenses, so that may be understandable. He's been without his weapons at full speed. Like Travis Kelsey missed first week. He's been playing through an injury, like trying to come back. Um, but they just look disjointed to me. And I think that Zach Wilson played really well. If it wasn't for a uh, pass protection issue where he got blindsided and fumbled the football, I think the Jets would have won this game. And as far as what you're saying about potentially them making the playoffs, they can make the playoffs without Zach Wilson being lights out. If he plays somewhat similar to this and just is able to protect the football and get some shots down the field, um, teams won't be able to sack the box, which will make it easier for Brees Hall and for Dalvin Cook to get some wiggle room and get some yardage and that defense to be able to keep the game close and in hand. So I think it's possible for them to make the playoffs. Granted, it's a very tough AFC conference. It's possible for them to make the playoffs, and it's possible for Zach Wilson to do just enough to get them there and not be good enough that he can't be replaced by Rodgers if Rodgers is ready to go. So that's all likely. I think, though, the Jets want Zach Wilson to work out, and I think that if he does play lights out, I think they would keep Zach Wilson, and I think they'd consider moving on from Rodgers if Zach Wilson finally becomes the guy that they drafted him to be. But Absolutely. in all likelihood, um, they missed the playoffs, and they are looking at starting over again with Rodgers next year. Yeah, um, and I know you had mentioned that maybe the Jets were easing in Brees Hall. I know you mentioned offline that, but what really doesn't make sense is in, in this situation is Delvin Cook only had five carries as well. Yeah. So it there's just something not making sense there that their running backs only had 12 total carries in this game, and it was a three-point game. So something really isn't adding up for me in that situation. So the only way I can make sense of it is without Aaron Rodgers being there and with Zach Wilson struggling um, playing the last three weeks, they've just stacked the box, which has made it really hard to do uh, any kind of rushing play calls. But I think this week teams will have to respect the pass more going forward. So here's the hoping that those guys get more carries uh, going forward. So hopefully they can address that. For sure. All right, let's move on to the last matchup, which was the Monday night matchup. The Seattle Seahawks also at New York with, against the Giants. And this one was never close. Um, the Giants offense looks like garbage. And even with Seattle's starting quarterback going down, they still pulled off a comfortable victory. I wanted more from the, the offense here, though. I wanted more from Kenneth Walker. I wanted more from Lockett and Metcalf. Um, it just it didn't work out that way, and they really didn't need it anyway. Um, I know Geno Smith went down with a knee injury, and I, I think that Drew Locke did okay, but I don't think he's good enough to supplant Geno Smith at this point. Yeah, I mean, he, he actually looked really good. Like, I'm, I was kind of a little bit shocked on that. Uh, he came in without hesitation, and it, it didn't look like the offense missed a beat, which is crazy. And I think it's because Gino and him compete every day in practice. So I feel like he's just ready. I don't know, Jeff. You harp on completion percentage. He had a 33.3% completion percentage. So Yesterday? I don't. Yeah. Two for six. Yep. So I don't think he's quite ready. But I think if he had to play a full game, I think he would be better than the Drew Locke of the Denver Broncos. So I think Seattle just has better coaching. Um, I think that Pete Carroll's enthusiasm really carries over into the players. And I think it makes middling players play better than they would in any other situation. So I, I think Drew Locke could play 
pretty well, but I think Geno Smith is the better quarterback. Whereas Absolutely. On the other side, Daniel Jones looks terrible. Terrible. It's inexcusable to me to not involve Jalen Hyatt more often. And even Peyton Manning was saying that on the Manning cast. So, I mean, if Peyton's saying that, he is a lot wiser when it comes to football than I am. So, I don't understand what they're doing. He is their most dynamic weapon. Um, even Darren Waller didn't get that many looks in this game. So, I, I, I just don't know what they're doing. And Barkley, without him being there, their offense is super limited. I, I, we both thought it was a mistake to pay Daniel Jones in the offseason, and it looks like a mistake right now. Yeah. Oof. I mean, Barkley looks better and better each game, though, because without him, they look terrible. His absence is very much missed, and it's very apparent. Yep. And I think that's getting him more money. But also, it, I don't know if you saw the frustration between Dable and Jones yesterday. But, uh, yeah, it, it's growing bigger and bigger. And uh, Dable slammed, slammed the table, the tablet after discussing it with him. Um, and I believe that uh, we might see the end of that relationship sooner rather than later. I agree. Right. Okay. Well, uh, I don't have anything else to add to you. I do not. I think uh, this puts a bow on week four, and uh, we look forward to breaking down week five. Okay. Well, that does it for another episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you all for downloading and listening to this episode. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. Please leave us a comment and share the show. Every little bit helps. And as always, you can find us with our handle at N2E Fantasy on Spotify, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, X, and Threads. Please give us a follow. And until next time, take care of yourselves. And remember, it's truly never too early for fantasy football. Thank you again. Bye, everybody.